Welcome to the Braving the Waves and Bridging the Gap podcast, stories of unsinkable resilience and resolving stigma. I'm your host, Michaela, and each week we explore stories with young people in our communities. You'll leave with a refreshing take on storytelling that will encourage you to venture deeper into and perhaps share your own story. Thank you so much for listening. That's a step in and of itself and enjoy this week's episode. I braved the waves when I leaned into my pain. And then I realized that my story bridged a gap because I stopped avoiding the discomfort of intense emotions. So now I share my resilience because I want to help others feel less alone in times of despair. I'm unsinkable because despite trying times, I'm still here. And I resolve stigma by increasing mental health awareness through advocacy, education, and storytelling. We are here with Lauren today, and honestly, just so excited to have you. And I know we've talked about so many things that we have in common that we didn't even realize, and I'm so excited to talk with you. And of course, (laughs) I wanted to start with Uh, this kind of concept of the six word story that's hopefully going to be a recurring theme through all of the podcast episodes. And I think I said this in episode one, it's credited to Hemingway, but you know, who really came up with it, we might never know. (laughs) But I would love to hear, yeah, if you could package your story into six words, which I know is really hard, uh, what would those six words be? And would love to hear why too. Yes. Yeah, so for my six word story, um, I wrote turning pain into passion and purpose. And I felt that was just honestly so encompassing of my mental health journey and honestly just life course so far. You know, I've gone through some pretty difficult times. I've struggled a lot with my mental health and I've used those struggles to fuel my passion for social work. And as a as an MSW student right now, so my mass getting my master's of social work, it has it has really just ignited, I think, my passion in my program as well. I'm absolutely loving school and loving everything that I'm doing, even though it is a lot of work at times. I'm I'm just really loving where I currently am in, you know, my career, my life, and I'm looking forward to where it's headed. And I think a few, maybe like five, five years ago, I don't even know if I necessarily saw a future. So being able to say that here today, it's so empowering. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh, I can imagine. And I think it's really wonderful, too, that you've pursued a career in in social work kind of with some of the experiences that you were just talking about because oh man we're so often told that like lived experience and working in mental health care like are going to clash and that you can't do it um and that oh you can't struggle if you're a professional and that it makes you unprofessional and oh I've been told that I've honestly been told that so many times and during my Bachelor of Social Work, we actually talked about the role lived experience has in social work and in mental health care in general. And we, as social workers, we talked about kind of the art of self-disclosure in practice. And I can even speak from experience with my psychologist, so the therapist I've been seeing for, again, about like five years now. And she it's something I've talked about with her you know we've also talked more kind of more about like career stuff in addition to other things in my life and I know that when I was going through a really hard time when my first dog died who was also like my best friend and she really shared with me that real like human side which I find people people assume that therapists might not have um But yeah, she just, she really showed me that and explained to me a bit about her process when her, you know, childhood pet or childhood dog died. And she shared with me like intimate, intimate details that people might think is like weird, for example. Like I know that she collected all of her dog's fur 
or would lay in the bed with her dog or sorry, lay in her dog's bed. And I don't know, maybe some people would think that's weird, but I just found it so comforting because I find pet loss too is one of those topics that isn't talked about that often and how significant that sort of grief can be, especially, you know, I feel for dogs and cats and all those, all those animals. I don't know. I feel like I hear people explaining the phenomenon of unconditional love. And I had such a strong bond with that dog. So when he passed away, he passed away also in just a traumatic way. And everything about that experience was so hard. But when I was talking to my therapist about um, my experience and stuff, she was able to really empathize with me. And I just thought that helped me so much. So I definitely think that lived experience does play a role in counseling or mental health practice. Um, I find that aspect so, it's just so powerful and it's comforting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I so agree. And yeah, just, I mean, hearing somebody who you look up to and are just yeah, spend so much time with like telling you that, you know, they've been through it too, or just having that like relatable, like aspect of it is so important. Um, and obviously it's really tricky too, because sometimes there's a place maybe to hold that back. Um, so learning that boundary I can imagine is, uh, is really tricky. Um, it's so important too. Yeah. And we, that's, I'm really happy that we discussed that in my program. And I can even think of an example where I've disclosed something to a client of mine and it was when I was working at um, a brain injury organization and I had a caseload of clients and I'm also someone who's been through traumatic brain injury. So I was actually in the case of working with this one client, I was actually able to refer them to these resources that were helpful to me and I was able to kind of guide them through that process and because I kind of have that personal experience to back up a reputable place or resource um, I know my client appreciated that very much and I think me also just disclosing in the beginning before we started having our weekly check-ins I told them that I'm also a TBI survivor and I get it like I get the I get the fatigue obviously not to not to the same extent or not that any experience is identical, but in terms of some of the symptoms we both experienced over the years and like the long-term impacts too of brain injury and eyesight and everything like that, I actually related a lot to this client. So, and I mentioned that to them because I know they were kind of, they were kind of questioning almost the validity of their symptoms And when I explained Mm -hmm. that I, oh, I experienced this too, and I learned that it's from XYZ, I just know that it helped me connect with that client on a deeper level. And it also um, helped build rapport and that trustworthy relationship going forward. And I just think it really set up a great paradigm for our relationship in my time while I was working with that client. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, there's such an interesting paradox with stories too. It's like, oh, I forget what the actual quote is. I always mess up quotes, but <laughs> it's like, uh, no two stories are the same, but yet at the same time, you're never alone. Yeah, And yes. kind of walking that line, yeah, is just, is so important and not like shying away from it, even if you think like, I don't exactly know what this person is going through, but can offer some kind of connection and support because I've been through something similar or know those feelings very well. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's, there's something so comforting about it. And I always go back to the pet loss and even I had friends who had experienced that too. And just knowing that there's someone out there that just understands the position you're in, even if, you know, it affected you both differently. It's just understanding that kind of area is really, it's powerful and builds I just find it builds such strong relationships. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm very curious, like you've mentioned your your therapist and, and your pet and kind of thinking about you being here today and sharing your story and being vulnerable and talking about it. How do you think 
your therapist and I'll say your pet too, if they could speak, <laughs> how would they celebrate you? Um, and just be, yeah, just so in support of, of you sharing your story and telling it, whether today or in anywhere else, what do you think they'd say? Oh my gosh. So before I even answer that question, it's funny that you bring up my pet because when I've been going through like body image concerns and stuff, I've spoken to my therapist and you know, there's a lot of negative self-talk that comes with mental health struggles and all of that. And, you know, there's this old kind of saying or practice where you like speak to yourself as you would a best friend. And my psychologist actually had me do an exercise where I wrote a letter to myself in the, from the perspective of my dog that had passed away. And it was literally just like, it was just so beautiful because again, that unconditional love and support and as someone who's just a huge animal person I absolutely love animals so honestly that exercise was super healing for me so I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was I thought it was super interesting but um my psychologist who I've been working with for years and years would be so proud of me for being vulnerable and sharing my story I know she'd compliment my strong passion for helping others through difficult times that's something I've always had a goal of, um, and initially growing up, I wanted to be a paramedic. So I've always kind of had this desire to just directly be helping people. And of course, Mm -hmm. like, well, not of course, but I realized that I could not do science for the life of me. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that, um, dream job kind of faded, faded into the background while I looked at what else I would be able to do. But I know she'd be super proud of me. And even um, last month, I attended a mental health event where there were a bunch of speakers. I was one of them. And we all shared kind of our mental health story or something we'd want to talk about. And I ended up talking about grief for the first time like in my life. And I know we can get into this later, but it was like a new experience for me, grief. And I know I was so nervous to go up there and share my grief story, but it's something I really, really wanted to do because it was something I was currently dealing with in the present. And I just thought it would be so impactful for that raw emotion to kind of come through. And once I told her, like after we met um, following the event, I told her all about it. And she was just beyond proud of me because she knows like I have had a fear of death for like I have such bad death anxiety and just like anticipatory anxiety about death or when I had this sick loved one. I had so much anxiety, terrified of death. Like I would I couldn't even talk about it because I would have existential crises and it was just awful. And then to be able to talk about death and grief in front of like I don't even know how many people were there maybe I don't know let's say like 80 to 100 people the fact that I was able to get on that stage um and speak about that subject was probably the most like probably one of the bravest things I've done in my life to be honest because yeah that again that topic is um or was at one point super terrifying to me it's still a bit uncomfortable now but I can still talk through it Whereas before it's just like, nope, can't go there at all. So she'd be, she'd be so, so proud of me for that. And I know something she always tells me if I'm ever feeling kind of down or maybe school's overwhelming me or what have you, but she has always said to me that social work is my true calling. And I find that to definitely be a very accurate statement <laughs> just through through the work I'm doing now. I just really, really feel like I'm in the right path for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And definitely, yeah, a very brave thing to do. And I think there's so much power in like the act of giving language to something yes. that you mm-hmm. haven't had words for because... I think we get all these like big feelings and like anything difficult or even happy sometimes Mm -hmm. that we go through um, to not have words for it. It's just like, oh, you just want to bury it. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going there. Exactly, exactly. Like I just, I didn't even want to touch on it. 
like when my it was my grandfather who had passed last year and when he was he was pretty sick for about a year I'd say so it was a lot of that anticipatory grief too which I touched on with my therapist she kind of introduced me to that phenomenon you know if a loved one might be like super sick or with a terminal illness and it's kind of it's like their death is a bit is impending and you just kind of have to sit and wait which is the worst thing to hear <laughs> and yeah I just know whenever whenever we had brought it up in sessions it was immediately like I would shut down conversation or I would start crying and I couldn't even like work through my words because I didn't know this feeling <laughs> like I yeah. I had grieved my Again, I know I said my dog had passed. He passed around in 2018. But to me, it was just, it's just a totally different thing when it was, I don't know, just like a family member, like a human family member. It was honestly just a whole new experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And I mean, I've, I've never had uh, a pet like that consistently in my life. But I know, like, just from hearing, hearing from you and hearing from others, like, just how significant that relationship is. And, yeah, like, I, I, I can't imagine this, like, yeah, having that day-to-day just, like, really tight tie to another creature. And, and then, you know, when they're gone, it's like this, like, absence, maybe even, maybe even, I don't know, more so, but, like, in a very different, like, way than a human yes it's so it's so different it's just like for me I think it was just that unconditional love piece and I know my dog's passing was really hard for me because it was actually the year before that I came home from Dalhousie University I ended up dropping out because of my mental health and I had gone through extremely extremely rough times when I was at school over there um a bit of like Uh, traumatic events and stuff like that so when I came home I of course I leaned on my animals so like I I had two dogs at the time I leaned on both of them especially the one that had passed so much just like I don't know I'd be in my room for days on end I was still really struggling when I came home and he would always be there like there was just always someone or something I don't know to come home to and they're always they're always so excited to see you and everything like that and it's just such a sweet innocent kind of love um so yeah his his relationship meant a lot to me I still think about um his name was Zach by the way (laughs) I had two dogs Zach and Cody so well I still have Coco but it was Zach it's like Zach and Coco like Zach and Cody and I, um, I remember he was just, I just still think about him almost, I don't know if every day, but it's been five years and I still think about him. Like, I know for sure, at least weekly, I sometimes still have nightmares about what happened to him and it's still, it still definitely affects me and I'm, I'm always going to remember him, which is super, it's a super special. That's the thing with death and grief is that you can still once they're gone you still hold these memories in your heart forever and Mm -hmm. that's something I've leaned on if I'm ever missing him or anything like that and since since his passing I've actually gotten two more dogs (laughs) so I was actually I was I was worried that people would maybe say oh you're replacing him replacing my dog (laughs) and for, you know, like, like the saying goes, everyone grieves differently. You know, we all have different reactions to things. And for me, I kind of needed that. I needed more animals <laughs> because my house just felt empty. It was, it was just a weird kind of feeling. Um, Cause I grew up like consistently with two dogs and it, the house just felt so quiet and weird almost. And now here I am living with three dogs. So, <laughs> so it's, a, it's a good time. But um, I like to think of Lennon, who's the dog I got after my dog had passed away. So he was actually born 
Lennon was born three days after um, Zach had mm. passed. And so I kind of see him as my little angel dog. So <laughs> I like yeah. that. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Yeah. And it's making me think of, uh, I'm a huge Marvel junkie. <laughs> and it's making me think of that uh, thing that Vision says. Oh my gosh, what is it? It's like, what is grief if not love persevering? Mm. I love that. I that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So true. And yes. I think, yeah, those are good words for uh, yeah, for your new puppy. So yeah, like without <laughs> without grief, there is no love, kind of thing. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And I know we're, I know we're probably going to get into this, but I've been really, really um, interested in or. I don't even know, just loving um, poetry that has to do, it could be with yeah. grief. I've honestly, I've always loved poetry, specifically more reading it. I've always, I've always just been an, a reader of poetry, but over the years I have dabbled like here and there, not very consistent at all, but it was only recently that I started trying to write about grief and I actually ended up writing or sorry, reading a poem for my grandfather's eulogy. And it was, and even just writing that was so, it was emotional, but healing. And I was just feeling so many things actually just writing the eulogy and reading it to my family, like on his, um, on his graveside, it was, I just loved it. Like there was so much emotion and it just really showed me how much love there was for him and how much support he had with him during, during the time he was sick. And, you know, of course throughout his life as well, but yeah, it's just, it was definitely different being able to put what I was feeling or thinking into, into words. And I kind yeah. of liked poetry because there's almost no, there's, you don't really have to follow a structure. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's the part I really like about it is that you can just write like line for line kind of thing. And I don't know, I just, something about it just feels very freeing. So mm -hmm. it's been a, it's been um, one of the tools I've relied on in terms of kind of healing or healing my grief, not so much healing my grief, but growing around my grief. Um, I really, I really do believe it's helped me in that sense. And there's this graphic that I always think of when I think of grief, I forget who, I forget the source of it. But um, it's, it's basically that um, how you don't get over grief, you just continue to grow around it. And it's illustrated mm -hmm. with like a ball, a ball in a jar, I think. And it's, it's a really I've cool, yes, yeah. yeah, it's a cool illustration. And I feel like it just really, that one just really speaks to me. And I can feel myself growing around my grief through writing, which I also mm -hmm. think is, you know, turning my pain into passion and purpose and um, doing, doing all of this poetry writing, I really enjoyed and you know, again, I did read a poem um, at this mental health event that I was at. And so many people came up to me afterwards just of how and told me how touched they were by it. And that just meant so much to me. Oh, I can imagine. I, oh. And poetry, I think, in particular, has this just really beautiful way of capturing emotion and feeling and things that we're going through like differently than sentences and even stories and fiction. And it, uh, cause it's like the bare bones of spoken language. It's really, really, really fascinating that way. And I, yeah, I'm very curious how you kind of came to poetry and like, if you have any kind of artist, like craft kind of statement or anything you want to share about that process of getting to like I want to share my story this way so I don't really know what started it I used to be really into journaling and I used to journal consistently and it was more so more so of a diary I guess you could say like just writing writing about my day 
And then occasionally, I think I kind of tapped into poetry just because I was reading it. And I don't even know how I first came across poetry. I couldn't even tell you. But I just know I've been reading it for some time. And I just one day kind of thought to give it a shot. And I know I've written poems for my family for like Mother's or Father's Day or birthdays or what have you. It's kind of been my one of my go-to kind of gift giving things because you know I'm still a student <laughs> so I like a for someone who's not super crafty it's the perfect homemade homemade gift I guess for me and I feel like that's kind of when I started writing was more so in the gift giving aspect and not really maybe not even for my own pleasure although I did enjoy it but um the more I explored poetry and just all the different kind of forms of poetry takes I think I I just became fascinated by it and I do like the creativity that goes into it I know I'm going to share a poem that I wrote and I know that with this poem I loved like trying to like rack my brain I for like certain rhymes and stuff like that because I wanted it just for like the flow and stuff like that um I know that's what I tried to do with this with um this poem but yeah I'd be I'd be happy to share the poem I shared at the that mental health event I went to so it's called it's called um grief all its pain and all its relief so in the depths of our hearts we carry a weight so heavy a burden many of us cannot bear a pain that makes us weary. It lingers and ebbs like the tides of the sea, an uninvited guest that refuses to leave. It creeps up on us when we least expect. It leaves us broken, shattered, and wrecked. A constant reminder for what we have lost. A reminder that love comes at a cost. Grief is a journey with twists and turns at every road, a path we walk with a heavy load. But with time, it softens and we begin to grow around the pain and the thoughts and memories that flow. So let us embrace our grief with all its pain and all its relief. Grief is a reminder that love never dies and that our loved ones are forever by our side. <laughs> oh, I just want to like absorb that. Like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh. That was beautiful. Thank you. I, Thank you so much. Oh, beautiful. And yeah, every line is just so true. Like, oh. yeah, even like I was just as I was reading it, your Marvel quote came, came into my came into my mind, um, kind of similar to this verse, a constant, a constant reminder of what we have lost a reminder that love comes at a cost. I feel like that that kind of resonates with um yeah that quote you shared with us earlier and yeah Yeah. honestly and to be honest I bawled my eyes out on stage while I was while I was finishing off this poem I remember in my head I was like don't cry don't cry don't cry don't cry but then I felt a tear stream down my cheek and then I was like it's coming like I can't I can't stop it so I know I started, I did start crying, but I was able to, I was able to get through it. And I think it honestly just showed the audience a whole other side of my vulnerability that day. And I know it, I think it meant a lot to people, for people uh, at that event to just see someone go up there and cry because the whole event was centered around having these candid conversations and this and crying on stage was probably as candid as I could get um, but yeah I just it was such a great experience for me and I know when I told my therapist that I read this poem and still cried on stage she was like good like it's good that I'm someone that um shoves stuff down like we said so she was she was literally happy that I cried on stage <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, it was honestly such a powerful experience and even sharing that with, with you today and just doing a workshop earlier today about storytelling. It was just, 
I don't know. I'm just feeling I'm feeling good today and really kind of embracing, really embracing the process of storytelling and how beautiful it actually is. I find just speaking, even speaking the words out loud to you right now, it's it makes it easier to be compassionate towards myself, I find. And mm-hmm. I can I can even when I was reading it up on stage, I was just thinking to myself, Oh, if I was in the audience right now, I'd want to give myself a hug. <laughs> and yeah. it's just, it's just comforting in some way. Absolutely. And yeah, like you said, like stories and, and poetry and lyrics and there's songs in there too. <laughs> like they have this incredible ability to make us feel like really feel something. And it's so powerful when we're able to put the things that we feel into words and then evoke what we felt creating those words in somebody else when they hear them. Just so amazing. And that's, yeah, one of the things I hope to like keep unpacking with people in this podcast is like, how do we go about doing that? Whether it's a song or poetry or a written story or something verbal, like can be anything, but words are powerful and having them being able to generate them is just uh, so many of us don't have either the space or like haven't grown up with those words and you go through things that you don't have language for and it's really tough so amazing that you're able to to put that together and then to perform it and share it again with us today I think that's yeah amazing and I am so curious if there's any um like lyrics song stories like something that's really like guided you that you've really relied on yes I definitely have I have so many I'm definitely a big quote person (laughs) I feel like I save I see one quote and I save it to my phone right away (laughs) but um I so one of my kind of career role models is Brene Brown um she's also a social worker she's a researcher and an author I really really love her books I think she has so much wisdom to offer and just the way she phrases things she's so well-spoken and so eloquent and I just really I really look up to her in that sense I've always had a dream of like doing a TED talk one day or doing like a TEDx talk one day that's always kind of been a dream of mine not now because I still have to conquer some anxiety <laughs> around that, but it is an ultimate, kind of an ultimate goal of mine. So she is someone I really look up to. And a quote that really resonates with me from one of Brene Brown's books, The Gifts of Imperfection, is only when we're brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. And that quote has just it's stuck with me. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I feel like it is very representative of my six word story. And also just, you know, of my entire, yeah, my entire story. And I really feel that if I hadn't looked inward and admitted to myself that I needed help and when I was struggling, I don't think I'd be where I am today pursuing my dream career. Um, I, I don't even know where I'd be. It's probably, it's pretty hard to think about, but um, yeah, like I, it took a lot of strength for me to look inward and admit that to myself. But once I did, it opened me up to like such amazing people and connections that helped support me through the process of getting, getting a bit better in terms of my mental health journey. And I feel that I rediscovered my light when I got help. And my goal is to ultimately help others do the same and help others find their light. I love that so much. And it's so powerful. Yeah. That willingness to look, to look inward because sometimes it requires us to pick scabs and look at things that were really painful or look at things again. Um, and that like re-experiencing of it is sometimes even more painful than when it first happened, but it's how you feel. And I think it's a perfect segue into the kind of next question I wanted to ask you, which is 
do you think you would tell your story differently as like a young person, maybe elementary school versus like high school versus maybe in the future or kind of any of those? Yes. That's Um, so interesting. I love, okay. I really love that question. (laughs) I, as a kid, I maybe like elementary, elementary school age, (laughs) I feel that I would tell my story a bit more compassionately to tell to how I typically would kind of tell my whole mental health story and when it started and you know instead of instead of calling myself ignorant for example I know I I know I've done that with a few with a few kind of retellings of like my whole mental health story like um being ignorant to certain things and I would just be more gentle I feel like in my storytelling, because like I said, I feel like many of us do struggle with negative self-talk. And from a child's perspective, they don't really see that. <laughs> they don't, they don't, or most, I wouldn't, I won't say all children, but myself as a young kid was very kind of unaware of the bad things in the world, thankfully. But, and so I think if it was myself telling my my younger self telling this story I feel like there would be more compassion um for myself I would say that for sure and then honestly vice versa if I were myself right now telling my younger self this story I would just be I would just be so gentle and it's something I've worked on in therapy is kind of that inner child healing kind of aspect or talking like writing letters to your younger self and things like that and I've practiced I've practiced that a lot and every time I do write a letter or think about what would I tell my younger self in this situation or how would I comfort her it just it honestly just makes me instantly emotional like to think to even think about that you know and I just feel like it's so it's like that exercise is so powerful I find um so yeah I just think for me it would be a lot more compassion but I think I am more aware now of the words I use when I tell my story and I'm definitely not as hard on myself as I once was because I think I used to blame myself for a lot of things and I felt a lot of shame around around certain things and stuff like that especially when I was living away from home um at Dalhousie I I like shamed myself for skipping classes and staying in my room all the time and stuff like that but at the end of the day it was because I was struggling it wasn't because I was lazy (laughs) so I think I would definitely be more compassionate in that sense because yeah, like so many of us do, we, you know, we'll call ourselves lazy, we'll call ourselves bad people or worthless or helpless, but in reality that's not the case at all. And you know, everyone everyone deserves to get help and to get better and we should just be more more gentle with ourselves, gives our give ourselves a little more grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so well said. And thinking about all of that, what do you, what do you think your future self would say? Mm. You've graduated yes. from school. Yes. You're a famous poet. <laughs> and what would you, what would you say, or how would you tell your story yeah. in the future? I think that I would have so much gratitude for all of the things and all of the people that have got me to where I am today. And that includes, you know, my family, mental health professionals, people like support systems at school, like so many other just kind of mental, mental health organizations, I guess, all together. Um, I think I would just be so grateful for all of them. And even my going back to like my psychologist, I'm like forever grateful for her. I genuinely think she changed my life. And I've always I feel like I've said that for the past few years upon just upon more reflection, I kind of questioned myself like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I didn't, if I didn't find this psychologist or 
I, I do question that, but I really just think I'd have a lot of gratitude for being able to do the things that I do. And even on um, like my Instagram page has provided me with a lot of these cool opportunities where I do get to speak um, and have these sort of vulnerable conversations. That's something I'm so, so grateful for and just happy to really be a part of the mental health conversation. So yeah, I think I'd approach it with just a lot of gratitude and contentment, honestly, because right now at this point in my life, of course, I still have bad days. I think I literally had a breakdown earlier this week, but I'm, I'm very happy with where I am right now. And it's definitely the happiest I've been in years. So it's just, it's honestly a really, a really great feeling. And I hope I can remember just this point in my life, like forever, because I am feeling, feeling really good about the friends I have, the people I'm around and what I'm doing. Oh, that is so good to hear. <laughs> and like, I don't I don't know if you know this, but like you are like glowing when you talk about that. Oh, like you literally you. your face lights up. So <laughs> that just oh, makes me happy. So. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, yes. I I think I'd be yeah, just just extremely grateful because again, I didn't even there were days when I was um in my dorm room at school, didn't see a future. And even every year on my birthday, it's like wow, I can't believe I made it to 22. I can't believe I made it to 23, 24, et cetera. So I just, yeah, yeah, I think it it typically comes on my birthday each year where I'm just like, wow, like I'm still, I'm still here. And Mm -hmm. I find just reflecting on that is super powerful and just honestly, just like encouraging, I'd say to, um, to keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an important and interesting point about birthdays because they they can be really difficult for some people. Yes. yes, because it's like another year has passed and it's not all good. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, it hits you most maybe. Yeah, every oh, year there's you are so many older, emotions so. on birthdays. Like, I know yeah. I actually I actually wrote a post about that for my birthday this year. I think, and I know a lot of people do struggle with that, with those birthday blues or birthday depression or whatever you want to label it as, but it's so true if there's like, if there are maybe unmet expectations or, or you're not where you were hoping to be in life or, you know, just fear of like getting older. I feel like those are all such, such real things. And yeah, birthdays, I know how hard birthdays can be, but yeah, for me, I find them, they're powerful, like both, I guess, in good, quote unquote, good and bad ways. Um, they might be more, they might be a bit emotional. But for myself, I know this past birthday, I was just so grateful for where I am right now. And I actually had just gotten in. I had just gotten into my program like a few days before my birthday. So it kind of made it feel very, like, very special. (laughs) So, so yeah, it just made me feel really good. That's so good. And I think, oh, just like ties up like so much of what we've been talking about is like that gratefulness and pain and struggle, like they very much coexist and like, so, so true. And it's amazing that like, you've been able to like reflect that way. So oh, <laughs> makes me happy. And kind of it's actually yeah, a good tie into the very last question I want to ask, which is if there's any, um, I guess, like research themes or projects or like anything that's really like personally special to you or that you advocate for that you want to talk about um, share with anyone listening. So something I'm actually currently working on for one of my um, classes in school. So it actually, it's an American school, just so everyone knows. <laughs> but um, um, I'm, so it's um, taking a policy advocacy course. 
and I've I'm enjoying it so much. I just find, of course, U.S. politics are like extremely polarizing, and yeah. we actually get to work on a term, the whole term project. And there's different there's different pieces to it, but um, what I'm actually preparing for next week is a policy testimony. So I'm opposing this bill, this, well, it's now a law in Florida um, against abortion and that any sort of topics on um, reproductive rights is super important to me. And I think it's also in part because I do have a history of um, sexual trauma. It's such an important topic of discussion for me and something I am super passionate about. So and it's ultimately, I don't, yeah, I don't think I said this, but I do want to go into like reproductive um, healthcare and working, working with the LGBTQ plus community. Um, probably my dream would be to work at an organization like um, Planned Parenthood or the Center Center for Reproductive Rights. Um, I've also gained a lot of interest in more like the advocacy side. Um, and as well, of course, as well, like I've always wanted to be a therapist and work directly with people and counsel people. But the advocacy part of social work is something that has been such an interest of mine since I started school. And I think it's honestly because just U.S. politics, not to say that Canada isn't isn't as, you know, maybe polarizing or it's just it's not it's not as extreme I'd say. Um, so I've, I've just, I've been really, really loving that, excuse me, that course and all of the um, advocacy projects I've been doing um, um, with, rep- with reproductive rights. It's, yeah, it takes me like, it doesn't take me even long to do assignments because I'm just so fascinated and interested in the topic. And enjoy researching it and I've I don't know it's just I talk about it at dinner with like my parents or my whoever I'll just I'll go I'll talk about this one bill that this governor signed and how nuts it is and um and it's actually it's actually made me um consider somehow working within the policy process throughout my career I just have found that so fascinating and being able to directly affect change is just a such a a cool concept to me honestly and I've been doing a lot of reading on social workers in congress and that's been as well like super just so interesting so that's kind of where I'm at now I'd say like I'd say reproductive health the most interesting and like how abortion bans and restrictions also affect um mental health and also tying in intersectionality um into that so that's what I'm currently doing for my like final research paper as well as my testimony next week so yeah I'm looking I'm I'm really looking forward to it and again something I'm something I'm so 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 passionate about so it's great to and it's great to work on stuff you're passionate about so yeah yeah no absolutely and I mean I can see how passionate you are it's amazing and I think it's really beautiful that that kind of common root between being a like in a therapist role and then doing like social work in like public policy that like connecting point is storytelling and it's oh that's just so amazing that you've got kind of like a hand on both sides and are going to be able to bring all of that together and in things that you're really passionate about so yeah amazing yeah it's actually so funny I'm taking the courses I'm in right now I'm taking one about psychosocial pathology where we're pretty much you know studying the dsm-5 which is initially what i like i still do want to pursue a career like as a therapist but i'm actually it's just funny to me almost that i'm actually enjoying my policy class more because never mm-hmm. in a million years would i would have ever thought that <laughs> but it turns out i guess when you when you're when professors and other other organizational leaders kind of get you 
they give you the freedom to choose what you want to speak about or present about it's so it's so I don't know it just like ignites something in me (laughs) when you can when you can choose your passion and really dive into that and all the underlying issues and complexities within the systems involved it's just I find it fascinating so (laughs) yeah oh amazing Oh, this has been such a good conversation. And I know we went so over time, (laughs) but I love it. And I guess, yeah, just to wrap up, if there's anything else you wanted to share about your story or just really anything that we didn't touch on or a message you want to leave everyone with, um, yeah, I'll hand it over to you. Yes, I would say my final message would be to don't be afraid to speak up for help and don't wait until you hit rock bottom to seek help because that's what I did and I just know that I could have gotten support sooner and it would have made much of a difference in my mental health journey. (laughs) So I would, I'd say I'd leave that as my final, as my, um, final piece (laughs) (laughs) I love it we can drop the mic on that one so so important so important mental health care is not reserved for moments of crisis yes exactly I know I feel like that's my one point I always try to drill into people is that no you don't actually like need to be in crises to to seek out mental health services because you know that's that's often the belief I find at least um that you need to be or even for I know it's common in eating disorders unfortunately where you might Mm -hmm. try to seek inpatient care and you get told you're not sick enough or you know your weight isn't a certain number and I don't know I just find definitely those that is extremely troubling and it just perpetuates that idea that you need to be in crisis to access these services when you really don't like like I still like even now like I've said throughout this interview like I think I'm doing so well right now I still see my therapist regularly um literally just to talk about to talk about anything honestly sometimes it's just nice to have that unbiased ear and it's not every time that I'm getting all this therapeutic advice it could literally just be like more so even just relational advice career advice um things like that have been have been super helpful and I've still gotten so much out of that from therapy which is nice so I would just stress stress the importance that you don't need to be at your breaking point to seek help yes so so important (laughs) amazing well thank you so much this has literally been just wonderful talking with you and hearing your story and your poetry and just journey kind of through everything so thank you so much yes thank you so much for having me it's been great thank you for listening to this week's episode of the braving the waves and bridging the gap podcast You can find much more information about this week's storyteller, resources, and related links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, leave a review, and follow us on socials. And lastly, don't ever forget that you are unsinkable. Just being here, listening, helps you swim and keep your boat afloat. Thanks, everyone.